0: What's going on Alabama fans, Ricky Green here for TideTalkSports.com. We've got a special guest for you guys today, somebody that really, really knows Alabama football, Alabama athletics in general, and recruiting. He is a recruiting and media coordinator for QB Country, the co-host of Locked On Bama podcast, Inside the Crimson Tide on Sports Talk 99.5. Jimmy Stein's with us today. Jimmy, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing great, Ricky. I appreciate you having me on the show.
0: Oh, man, we're just glad you're here, giving us a chance to talk about Alabama football. That's what we like to do, so we're going to do it, and we hope everybody will enjoy it. Won't really uh, ramble on too long. We'll get right straight into what we want to touch on today, the upcoming matchup this Saturday at Bryant-Denny Stadium with Jimbo Fisher and his Aggies of Texas A&M. Just real quick, Jimmy here, what are your expectations this Saturday? Do you think offensively we'll see – Alabama open up that playbook a little more do you think we'll even have to open it up anymore against the defense that the Aggies will bring to town what are your expectations for this Saturday
1: I think a real balanced attack you know this past this past week Mac Mac Jones played about uh, I think off the top of my head 48 48 snaps uh, 46 snaps and threw it 24 times so very balanced attack when Mac is in between the running and, and the passing. I know Alabama would probably like to run the ball a little more efficiently, maybe get a, a couple of big plays out of the running game. Uh, that, that was something that they, they struggled with a little bit Saturday. The, the, the running game was productive at times, but there, there, were, there weren't any chunk plays on the run game. I think Alabama would like to see that. But when Mac Jones is in the game, I think Alabama is largely going to be balanced. Uh, there will be some runs. There will be some throws, uh, attempts to get the ball in the hands of those outstanding playmakers outside and Jalen Waddell and Devontae Smith. And of course, with, uh, with Alabama and Sark, we're also going to see some deep balls off the play action. So I think more of what we saw in the first half of the Missouri game is sort of what we'll see this Saturday with maybe slightly more emphasis on, on making something happen in the run game.
0: Absolutely. I I, I tend to agree with what you've said there 100%. You know, it was funny watching fans' reactions on social media after that first game. You would have thought we lost that ball game, but that was one of the more dominant first halves that I've seen from Alabama probably in a couple of years. I felt really good about their performance in week one and think we'll see a continuation of that in week two. I did kind of pick up on what looked to be maybe a little bit of, I don't know if it was just getting into the flow of the game. It'll get better with reps, but Emil Ekior had a moment or two there on that offensive line where he looked unsure. Um, Nothing real glaring or terrible, of course, but I think that as the season progresses, this offensive line, I've said it before and I'll say it again, this is most definitely a Joe Moore award caliber offensive line there that Kyle Flood's got, his unit, the first team especially, um, I'm just really impressed by them. Guys like Landon Dickerson and Leatherwood and Brown, these are some big, mean offensive linemen, so I'm really looking forward to seeing how they perform against Leo and some of these other defensive linemen uh, that the Aggies have there, and hopefully they'll continue to gel. Like you said, we'll start to see some of those chunk plays in the run game I definitely know that Najee Harris, Brian Robinson, and Trey Sanders are capable of making those plays, but I think that kind of rests on the shoulders of that offensive line. Will they continue to gel? And will we see them open up those opportunities for those backs to have big gains?
1: Yeah, that's right. You know, even in 2012, uh, that, that season featured maybe the best offensive line in the history of, of Alabama football. E- even with that national championship winning group, they weren't perfect early on. I, I don't know if struggle is the right word, but they didn't play as well in September as they did in, in November. Uh, I, I think offensive lines are often a work in progress. That was a really good start, particularly the first half uh, for this group. Uh, but um, my feeling is they're going to play better as the season progresses. Really, all of Nick Saban's offensive lines have been like that, even the exceptional ones like like 2012. I, I think it's a great group. Uh, Emil Ekior you know, ha, uh, you know, had his... You know, he he probably didn't play as as well as he would have liked. Now he's going up against a very experienced Missouri defensive front, which featured basically all seniors for for several snaps. Missouri had all seniors up front. A&M is it doesn't have quite that experience, but they have more talent uh, than Missouri up front. So it'll be another challenge for the offensive line. Uh, But I, I have a lot of confidence in that group. Uh, both in pass protection and, and in the run game. And in the pass protection against Missouri, uh, they, they kept Mac Jones' jersey pretty
0: clean. Yeah, they absolutely did. And that was one of the most impressive aspects of the performance, uh, as far as the offensive line is concerned to me, was the amount of time that Mac had. And, you know, it, it's kind of funny, prior to the season starting, there was a lot of talk, especially from some uh, analysts out on the left coast, about Bryce Young coming in and taking this job and being the starter. And Mac Jones just kind of gave everybody a big old kiss my butt in week <laughs> one. At the highest QBR rating in the country. Um, really excited about what Mac's got in front of him this season. And I just don't think at this point, barring injury, I don't expect Mac to relinquish that job. I think that Mac won the job outright. He did everything he was supposed to do, came into a quarterback room that most recruits would have ran away from because of the talent that we had with Tua, Jalen Hurts, and some other guys that were already on campus. And I'm just really excited about this opportunity that Mac has to show everybody that he can play big time football and possibly even lead Alabama back to another national championship.
1: Yeah, he's just done it differently than the others. Uh, there was a lot of hype with Tua. There was a ton of hype with Bryce Young. Even going back through a lot of the Saban era quarterbacks, Philip Sims, uh, Star Jackson. Uh, There's a lot of hype. You know, Mac, Mac didn't come in with any of that. He, he was a, a, a quiet second quarterback signee in the Tua class. You know, uh, but but what Mac did is what many 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 pro quarterbacks do, and that's develop. Mac sat back. He was patient. He worked on his craft. He worked on his game. He worked really hard. His opportunity finally came along when Tua was unfortunately injured. And he took full advantage because when Mac was put on the field, he was ready to play. I I think a lot of quarterbacks get ruined because they sort of have to play before they're ready, lose their confidence, and never get it back. Well, Mac was able to build confidence as his skill set grew. And Mac has really developed into uh, really a, a fine NFL quarterback prospect. And I, I think where if he, if he stays healthy, that's, that's what I expect to see is, uh, is Mac Jones playing on Sundays. Uh, and, and this is something that, again, he didn't show up a Sunday quarterback. He's built himself into this. Uh, and like so many quarterbacks in the NFL, uh, weren't exactly setting uh, big-time college football on fire when they were freshmen and sophomores either. So uh, Mac is, uh, has worked hard. Uh, even on leadership skills, and 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 I think Mac is not only a great quarterback; he he's the leader of this football team.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. I agree there. I think that Mac um, has the respect of his teammates, and I feel like you know you hear Nick Saban talk all of the time when we do have a quarterback position battle that it's going to come down to the guy that wins the team. We've heard him say it over and over again. Somebody needs to step up and win this team. And earn their respect and i feel like mac's done that and i think he's done a very good job of it we've touched on mac we've touched on some running backs just slightly let's talk a little bit about some of the targets um uh, that mac jones has some of the options that he has there both at wide receiver and at tight end everybody knew what devonta smith and jalen Waddle were capable of but now we have this guy that maybe a lot of Alabama fans don't know a lot about, John Meachie. I was impressed by John in week one, and I think he's poised to have a big season with a lot of the attention from defensive coordinators probably being taken uh, by Waddle and Smitty there. I think Meachie is super talented and ultra capable, and I think he will probably even have a big game uh, this Saturday against Texas A&M.
1: He's definitely the number three guy. The number three guy's going to catch a lot of balls uh, over the course of the season. Uh, he's a playmaker. He, w- one thing that, that, that about John that, that stands out to me is here's a kid that's not big, but he's, he's also not small. Uh, he's not fast in the Jerry, Judy, Henry Ruggs, uh, Jalen Waddle sense. I mean, uh, he's not going to run a 4.340 or anything like that, but, but he's also not slow. Uh, there is nothing about him that makes him stand out except one thing. He gets open, he catches the ball, he makes a play. He's very consistent in terms of creating separation between himself and the defensive backs and then making something happen with the ball after he makes the catch. He's just a naturally gifted wide receiver. He just didn't happen to be born uh, freakishly fast or freakishly large like Julio. Uh, he's just he's just a good ball player and, 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 a, and a really interesting life story. If every player on our team had a book written about them, uh, Johns would be probably the most interesting. I think he's lived in like four countries and speaks three languages. He's just a really mature, global citizen, that guy.
0: Wow. So not only athletically gifted, but intelligent, Speaking multiple languages, that's impressive. And I've kind of, in my mind here recently, started kind of comparing him a little bit now, just a little bit, to a Kevin Norwood-type guy. He can be a guy that Matt can trust, that will probably make those clutch catches. He's got really good hands. You mentioned him not being you know, the biggest guy or maybe even the fastest guy, but he's just a guy that seems like he gets the job done.
1: That's right. I mean, when it's like... Frankly, when it's like third and six and, and you've got to make a first down and keep the ball, uh, he might be just as valuable as Devontae and Jalen in that regard. He's just a real dependable guy, a dependable player. I think he's going to be a significant piece to this offense all season long.
0: Absolutely. Well, we've kind of covered the wide receiver deal there just a little bit. Let's look at these Crimson Tide tight ends a bit. You know, Miller Forrestal, of course, is the guy there, the starter at tight end. Moves around, can play multiple roles there. He graduated from Cartersville High School, same place that I graduated from. So uh, I've really followed Miller for a long time there. I'm impressed with the improvements that he seemingly has made in his blocking ability, especially looking at his first year or two at Alabama and what he was able to do as a blocking tight end versus what we saw um, this past Saturday. I mean, there was a play or two where he had some really big-time blocks out on the edge. And then we've got these young guys all of a sudden. You know, Cameron Latu has made a tremendous um, amount of progress since coming over from outside linebacker. Uh, Jalil Billingsley is another guy that top fans have to keep their eye on. I think Jalil Billingsley probably is the closest thing we have right now to an Irv Smith type a guy that down the road can potentially do it all. And then the transfer, Carl Tucker, I think as the season progresses, he'll become more and more important, uh, especially with his ability to block. How do you picture this season playing out for our tight ends? And who do you think at season's end is the man there for that group at right. tight end? Yeah,
1: it's a really interesting situation, Ricky. I, I, I would say that Alabama doesn't have a great tight end, but Alabama has a great tight end room because the, the, the skill sets in that tied-in room are so varied, whereas you have Miller, who's kind of, you know, he's pretty good at both, but he's more of a pass receiver than, than a dominating presence as a blocker. Uh, Jaleel Billingsley fits that description as well, kind of a more talented receiver than he is a presence on the edge. Then you have guys like Carl Tucker, like uh, Major Tennyson, who we'll probably see this weekend, He's been a little ill and, and he'll be he'll be healthy this weekend. Those guys are more blockers than than receivers. They, they they can get the edge block really well. Now, none of these guys are horrible at the at, at the thing they're not quite as proficient at. But Miller and, and Jalil are, are, are great pass catchers, and Carl Tucker and Tennyson and even Latu are, are really pretty good at getting their spots blocked. So what what I see is Jeff Banks, the tight end coach, uh, I think if he manages that position really well on down and distance. Alabama's always putting a tight end on the field that's really good at whatever we're asking the tight end to do on that play. Uh, but it will be about mixing and matching, but at the same time don't let the tight end substitution pattern be a tell on uh, on whether we're going to throw it or run it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. it kind of goes back to to the things that Pete Golding was saying earlier this year you know prior to the season starting Golding was asked a lot of questions, and one of his answers that he gave multiple times was, we just need to get these guys to do what they're good at doing. And I can see that there in that tight end position group as well. Let's not ask them to do too terribly much what they're not great at. Let's focus on what they're good at, but then, like you said, at the same time, we can't be tipping our hand one way or the other based on personnel and who we've got in. So that's something for us to really keep an eye on as the season progresses can they find that right mix of the right guys at the right time without giving away too much, I think will be the key there. Just like you pretty much said.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and let's not, uh, you know, Miller forestalls are a good tight end and, and, you know, not every dominating blocker is six foot five and 265 pounds. It's not always about burying the guy you're blocking. Miller has a lot of experience. He has gotten bigger and stronger. He knows exactly where to be. And sometimes it's a really good block. The best way to describe a great block that works is just simply getting in the way. And Miller knows where to be to get in the way. And while he might not be putting too many guys on their backs, I'm, I'm guessing Miller grades out pretty well on
0: the block game. I would think so as well there. I mean, you just don't see a whole lot of times when Miller's just obviously out of position and obviously is blown an assignment. He just seems like a solid guy all around. He's, his football IQ is high. I know this. I've had conversations with him in the past. The guy is smart. He's sharp as attack, and I think that, like you said, he is a more than serviceable tight end. And I think the future is bright for him as he leaves Alabama and journeys on in life. We've talked about the offense. We've pretty well covered all the bases there. I want to get into this Crimson Tide defense. You know, last season there was a whole lot of people, myself included that were wondering at times, okay, is this a Pete Golding problem? What is going on? Having some time after the season to reflect and really look at things, I'm not sure that Jeremy Pruitt or Kirby Smart or any of our other great uh, defensive coordinators of the past could have done much more with what they had to work with. And I was very, very happy to see the way this defense, especially in that first half, We're flying around, making plays. It seemed like we were just getting to the ball so fast. What do you think, besides the obvious not having a lot of freshmen starting on defense this year, what's the biggest difference between what we're able to do this year and last year?
1: Athleticism at linebacker. I mean, that's what jumps out to me. Uh, Dylan Moses was missed on so many levels a year ago, but, uh, but but first and foremost, what what an unbelievable pure athlete Dylan is, uh, just his presence alone. Then you have Christian Harris, who not only has now a full year in Alabama's strength conditioning program, so Christian Harris is lighter, faster, stronger, more explosive than he was. Now he's not having to worry about the calls being made next to him by someone that was a true freshman and and not ready for that that level of play yet. Uh, Now Christian can just play beside Dylan Moses, who makes the calls, and he doesn't have to think anymore. He can just play, and he's a more explosive athlete than he was a year ago. Then throw in Will Anderson, who just simply has to be the most athletic outside presence in the country for a freshman. Uh, Will Anderson has shown up. a a better linebacker than, than I can remember. I I think the last time we had a linebacker show up as good as will, frankly, was, was maybe even Cornelius Bennett. And I know that uh, that's a insane comparison, but gosh, even, even, uh, I mean, even Derek Thomas had his freshman year struggles at Alabama. Will Anderson showed up a high quality sec defender. So I, I think the athleticism, Uh, And I'll even throw in Chris Allen, who I thought quietly had a pretty good game Saturday as well. Uh, I think that athletic group at linebacker is uh, the reason that Alabama's defense will be markedly improved over next year, assuming the group stays healthy.
0: Absolutely. You got to think so. I mean, it was incredible to me the speed at which those linebackers got to the ball, whether it was the quarterback or running back an option play getting blown up. I'll tell you what impressed me the most about Will Anderson. I expected Will to come in and be a great pass rusher. I expected that. But what I did not expect was for him to be able to come in and set that edge and play every down the way that he was able to do. It really just blew my socks off. I was so impressed by Will Anderson. And I'm just excited that we've got another couple of years with this guy. His ceiling – there's really no limit to how great he can be, in my opinion.
1: No, that's exactly right. But what's unbelievable, Ricky, is you know, in, our, in, our, in Alabama's nickel alignment, and Alabama's in the nickel personnel package more than any other package. As a matter of fact, as much as 70% of the, of the game. The defense will have nickel personnel on the field, and normally, not every time, but normally in nickel, Alabama only features one outside linebacker on the field, not two, one, because the fifth defensive back replaces an outside linebacker in Alabama's nickel package. Well, very first snap of the game, the very first one, Missouri's in three wides, so Alabama comes out in nickel, and who's the lone outside linebacker? Will Anderson. So that means not only is he out there as that pass rusher, like you said, Ricky, he's out there on every, he's an every down linebacker and is Alabama's lone outside linebacker on the field most of the time in nickel, which means he's really the number one outside linebacker in the program. Uh, The fact that he can do that as a freshman is just unbelievable. And then to be such a presence, he is one of these rare guys that, you know, there might be a snap. That Will Anderson completely blows up the play, but it doesn't go down as a tackle or an assist or a sack or a tackle for loss or a, or, or a play defended. It doesn't go in the stat sheet, but Will is who blew it up, and I, I saw him do that multiple times Saturday where he just completely dominated his area and his man to the point that Missouri had to change their plan quickly mid-play because Will had blown it up. And, and, And I know he wasn't credited with any sacks, but trust me, Missouri noticed him in the pass rush.
0: Oh, absolutely. I remember one play in particular there where Will just blew up, blew past the tackle and hit that mesh point. Um I think that was a play where out on the boundary we wound up tackling the quarterback. I think that may have even been a stop on a fourth down attempt there. Yeah. Um for Missouri and I was just thinking to myself, man, this kid is the real deal. Now he didn't like you said stuff the stat sheet, but every time you looked up, Will Anderson was in position to make a play and I think he'll have a huge impact going forward.
1: Yeah, oh, yeah, he it again uh If this Alabama defense returns Alabama defense to its normal, lofty national rankings and rankings in the SEC, it'll be behind this athletic, highly athletic group at linebacker. That's the strength of the defense.
0: No doubt about it. Well, moving on from the linebackers there, we'll look at that little next uh, group, the defensive line. Alabama was without defensive end Christian Barmore um, there for that first game. And I had been told prior to the game that if it was a situation where we really needed Christian to go, he probably could have went. But Aaron on the side of caution, giving him another week to rest up, get back to where he needs to be. I think we'll see some of Christian Barmore against the Aggies this Saturday. And in my opinion, that can only make this defense that much better. Christian was able last year to get a pass rush from the interior that we simply didn't have anybody else could do that. So I'm excited to see what Christian can do when he does return, if he's healthy. And I think that him, Ray, and uh, Justin Aboigbe there at uh, the defensive end spots in particular could have a big year. And that's before we even start talking about our interior guys. I'm pretty impressed with the talent that we've stacked up there at defensive end as well.
1: Yeah, I think one thing for fans to look for with that defensive line, Bar- Barmore is going to make plays, and LeBron Ray is going to make uh, more plays than he did Saturday, and, and and Alabama has good depth at that position. But when they don't stuff the stat sheet, don't, don't get discouraged because if the linebackers all had a big game, you know, eight, nine tackle games from Christian Harris, Dylan Moses, Will Anderson, Chris Allen, if the linebackers had a big game statistically, Often the reason for that is those defensive linemen kept the opponent's offensive line from getting to the second level, keeping those big bodies off the linebackers. One thing that we really struggled with a year ago is we also had injuries up front and playing young guys up front, they couldn't keep the offensive linemen off our second level. And Shane Lee and Christian Harris and that bunch just weren't ready to deal with SEC offensive linemen on snap after snap. This group is deeper, It's better, and they did an excellent job Saturday of uh, freeing up the linebackers to run around and make their plays. So just because you don't see a lot of sacks or a lot of tackles, that doesn't mean that they're not playing well. If you see the linebackers filling up the stat sheet, that means the defensive linemen are doing a good job of tying up two guys up front.
0: Absolutely, and you know, that's particularly true in a 3-4 defense. This defense isn't necessarily – tailor-made for defensive linemen to have those stat sheet stuffing games. But as you said, if the linebackers have a big game, it's probably because those big uglies on the defensive line were doing their job and doing it well. Um, So the defensive line is stacked. We're stacked at inside and outside linebacker. Our safeties have – you know, a lot of Alabama fans were very disappointed and vocal about that disappointment in the way that our safeties played – but then you get to looking at the stats and see that Daniel Wright led the team in tackles there with 11. Jordan Battle quietly had himself a decent game. I'm not so sure that it was as bad as a lot of people made it out to be. And I think that the more reps those guys get and the more comfortable they become athletically, I don't think there's two better safeties Um head and shoulders better, at least, in the Southeastern Conference. So I, I'm really looking for our safeties to have a better game against AM this Saturday and just want to kind of get your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with 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 all that. And, yes, Alabama fans can exaggerate even the most uh, minor of problems. And, uh, you know, I think Daniel Wright missed a handful of tackles. He was also making his very first start. Uh, it was on the road uh, against a decent you know, this kind of a tough preparation Missouri was because when Alabama watched film and put together a game plan, I mean, what do you watch? Do you watch what Missouri did last year? Do you watch what Sean Robinson did at TCU? Do you watch what Eli Drinkwitz did at Appalachian State? The answer is you watch all of it. And then you just make your best guess as to what the offense is going to look like. We didn't even have a spring game that Missouri played to where we could properly prepare a defense. So there was going to be some issues when it when it, when it came to defending Missouri. Daniel Wright missed a few tackles, incurred the wrath of the Alabama message board uh, world, but uh, but he did make 11 tackles. And hey, if you make 11 tackles and miss a few more, that means you're consistently around the ball, which is what you ask your, your safeties to do. Uh, I, I think this week is kind of big for Daniel. It would be nice to see him play really well and submit his status there. If he has another game or two where he he has a few whiffs, then then he needs to watch out for freshmen coming behind him. Uh, Jordan Battle, I thought, played really well. One thing that's different about Battle, who's a good safety for Alabama compared to recent safeties, is that I think Battle is a little more solid than spectacular, and all that means is he's not going to miss tackles. He's going to be in the right place at the right time. He'll make a play that's right in front of him. You can always depend on him doing the right thing But he's also not extraordinarily gifted like an Eddie Jackson, you know, who's one of the most athletic safeties in the entire NFL. I don't think anyone's ever going to say that about battle, but he's very solid. He's very smart, knows how to play the position. And uh, while there might not be a lot of huge plays out of Jordan Battle in his career, there'll be very few mistakes. And I think that's what we saw out of him Saturday.
0: Absolutely. You know, it's kind of a Nick Saban and a Bill Belichick thing. Do your job. And I think that battle's a guy that is just really good at doing his job. Like you said, we're not going to see a lot of misses from him. Probably not going to be a first team all American pick there at safety, but will quietly keep his head down, go about his business, and put together a solid season there uh, on the back end of that Alabama defense. Looking at our corners out on the boundary. We returned Patrick Sertain Jr. Um, everybody knows my feelings there. I think Patrick is at least capable of being one of the best corners in the country. But I was particularly impressed by Josh Job, his aggressiveness and the physicality that he brings to that position, um, kind of something that we really haven't seen as Alabama fans since maybe Marlon Humphrey. He's just aggressive, and I really, really like that in a boundary corner and expect for him to have a big, big year as well.
1: Yeah. Job, uh, man, you know, and, and you, it's like he's drawn up in a laboratory a little bit. I mean, Job is exactly what you want your NFL cornerback to look like because he's long, uh, and, and he's bigger than, uh, than the vast majority of college cornerbacks, but he is still a corner athletically because he has great hips, great feet, uh, good speed, and uh what where job had to turn the corner is just becoming a little bit more a, a better guy with the ball in the air maybe a guy with 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 uh, that that's got to improve his ball skills a little bit and and i think we saw that saturday uh missouri if if everybody noticed kind of came out testing job you won't see a lot of teams test uh the other side number 2 they they know how good that guy is so so job's going to get a lot more balls than uh, than patrick will uh because you know, he, he's less proven than the other side. And Joe did a pretty good job against Michigan when he uh, got the start in place of Trayvon Diggs, who skipped the bowl game. And, uh, and he continued that good work against Missouri. I, I thought Joe played really well, uh, especially because he was tested by Missouri. They went right at him.
0: Absolutely. And he answered the call there on several occasions. Big hits when he comes up. He's not afraid to stick his nose up in run support. He'll load up you know, close to the line of scrimmage when he's asked to. I think we will see probably a little bit more of the exotic blitz packages that we've become accustomed to under Nick Saban moving forward this season. And I expect Job to be a guy that we get to see kind of like a Javier Arenas was used at times, come off the edge and really blow stuff up in the backfield. So I think that's something Alabama fans can look forward to. And I've got Alabama – rolling this Saturday at Bryant Denny Stadium I uh, kind of put my prediction out there via YouTube uh, yesterday 38 to 17 Alabama is my pick Jimmy why don't you tell everybody what your pick is and what you think will be key for Alabama to be successful this weekend against Texas A&;m
1: well great great minds think alike buddy I'm I'm, go- I'm going 38 17 too so no way we'll be wrong there's no way we'll be wrong we we, we uh, <laughs> So 38-17 sounds good to me. I think the score is going to be really similar to the score a week ago, but the game will probably play out a little differently just simply because Texas A&M features more high-quality athletes than Missouri. Uh, Even though I expect Alabama to win the game by 21 points, uh, I think it's going to be kind of a closer game than that. Maybe it's Alabama that scores late to make it look like they, they won handily when, in fact, it's probably likely going to be a two-score type game uh, for a lot of it. I think a and a lot better than what they showed against Vanderbilt. I think Kellen Bond at a and as frustrating as he is for a and fans because of his inconsistency, well, if he played bad last week, that means he's due for a good one this week. And Alabama fans have seen the kid play well. He's played well against Alabama in the past. He's made 35 starts. Alabama won't do much that's going to surprise Kellen Mond. I think he's seen it all by now. And I think Mond has a pretty decent game through the air and, and keeps AM hanging around. I don't think Alabama will be in any danger of losing the game at any point, uh, but I'm kind of anticipating Alabama not just running away from AM. So I say uh, 38 to 17 uh, and, and a lot more of what we saw last week with more excellent play from from Mac Jones. Jalen Waddell, Devontae Smith, Najee Harris, and uh, that incredible athleticism that Alabama features a linebacker.
0: Absolutely. I think that Kellen Mond, you know, I've described him before as being Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. It just depends on which Kellen Mond shows up Saturday, and can he find a primary target at wide receiver? Um, You know, one of his big-time targets had opted out for the season. They've had some guys beat up there at wide receiver, I just wonder, can somebody step up and and at least give him the opportunity to make this Alabama defense stay honest? Uh, because if he can't, it could be a long day for the the Aggie offense. Uh, this defense is just so athletic. I'll tell you one thing I absolutely do not expect to see Kellen Mond replicate his rushing total from last season. No way, no how. I think that's exactly right, Ricky. Uh- Alabama's too athletic at linebacker. Uh, Alabama might be, for the first time in a while,
1: uniquely suited to play against teams that feature a dual-threat quarterback like Kellamond, just simply because the, linebacking, uh, the the linebackers are so athletic. I, I don't think Kellamond's going to shake or outrun Dylan Moses, Christian Harris, Will Anderson, and Chris Allen. I, I think Alabama's just too athletic at that spot, and I agree with you that I would take the under on Kellen Mond replicating his rushing yards. Now, is he going to have quite a few passing yards? Probably so, but let's remember this. Alabama is very difficult to run against this year because they're, they're pretty good in the interior. The inside linebackers are so good. Jordan Battle's a good tackler at safety. Uh, I don't think there's a lot of rushing yards for too many teams. Well, if you hold someone in the modern game, if you hold them to 300 yards, you've had a pretty good game defensively if you hold the opponent to 300 yards, right? Well, if A&M can't run the ball well uh, against Alabama and they're only managed 50 yards, well, even if you, quote, hold them to 250 passing – You've done really well. You've held a, a quality SEC opponent to 300 yards or less of offense. So I expect AM's going to have quite a few passing yards. The question is will they be efficient and will they be passing yards that affect the outcome of the game? I don't believe so, but I do think uh, Kellen Mond is going to have his senior moments out there prove that. While he is still inconsistent, he is still capable of playing well, and uh, I think this will be a game that Alabama wins by three touchdowns, but they'll be glad it's over uh, when it's over because AM overall is one of the more talented teams uh, in the league. I expected them to be the second-best team in the West this summer, but that was before they had all these opt-outs and, and, and an injury to their their tight end uh, that they, they felt might really be maybe the best tight end in the country. And he's hurt loss for the season again. Uh, with all these personnel losses, I don't think an is what I thought they might be uh, in the preseason. And, and, and Alabama wins this game by, by three touchdowns.
0: Absolutely. Uh, good stuff there, Jimmy, as always. Hey, before we wrap up today, let everybody know how they can sure. find your Locked on Bama podcast. Maybe sure. even what you got going on there with QB country and what they can expect coming up and how they can find you on social media.
1: Oh, I appreciate that. Uh, you can just find me, Jimmy Stein at QB, QB underscore country. Uh, I work for, for QB country. David Morris is the, the, the founder of QB country. I have a, we have 11 locations in eight States where we train high school, college and NFL quarterbacks, uh, including some of the biggest names in the sport, like Daniel Jones, Gardner Minshew, Nick Mullins, who will start this week for the 49ers, AJ McCarron, uh 40 of our quarterbacks signed with division 1 schools in the last recruiting class we're hoping to beat that this year and I help out qb country with uh with uh you know with really recruiting issues and uh getting as many of their quarterbacks uh signed as possible with uh with schools all over the nation uh and you can find my podcast unlocked on, on bama i do a, a daily podcast four or five days a week with, uh, with Luke Robinson. And you can just find me on Twitter, Jimmy Stein, at QB Country.
0: Sounds good, man. That all really is awesome. Really cool that you're involved with David Morris. I've got a, a friend of mine that's a friend of his, so we talk often about what David's got going on with QB Country. Um, quickly here before we wrap up, we've heard Nick Saban kind of lean recruiting-wise that we may have three or four spots left Uh, News is broke recently about Amarius Mims going to pay his own way to come and visit the campus while we're away playing Ole Miss. How do you think the Tide finish up this 2021 recruiting class? And who are you looking at for filling those final three to four spots?
1: Yeah, The fact that Mims is still this interested is highly encouraging based on what Alabama already has on the offensive line. Uh, He would just be. The cherry on top of the Sunday and it's already a Sunday. I mean, Alabama's recruited unbelievable on the offensive line this year. You know, Alabama's got, you know, Nick Saban specifically said three or four more spots. He he might be counting a couple of, a couple of guys who might be committed, but not publicly committed because I think from where Alabama is right now, there'll probably be about five more names added, uh, you know, in terms of who I really like, I, I'm hoping that uh, JaQuincy McKinstry is one of them. I'm hoping Terry and Arnold is one of them. I think Alabama could really use some uh, some some additional big time talent in the secondary. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind seeing another. Uh, top-end wide receiver added as Alabama is sort, sort of going to be rebuilding at that spot with uh, Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle moving on after the season. So that's kind of the positions I'm looking at. Maybe one or two more defensive linemen. For me, Ricky, at this point, it's not so much about which positions we're adding guys, but just finishing up with four or five difference makers. If Alabama adds big names in these last five spots or so, it, it may be Nick Saban's best class at Alabama, And that's saying a lot. That's like saying, you know, the best hockey player in Canada or the best sprinter in Jamaica or the best of all the Boston Celtics teams of the 60s. I mean, if if you're the best of Nick Saban's recruiting classes, that's saying something right there.
0: That's borderline scary is what it is. I'm looking uh, very much forward to seeing how this class feels. And I think you're right. I think as far as needs go, this class couldn't have been any better at filling the needs that Alabama has at this point in time Um, Brian Thomas Jr. out of Louisiana is a wide receiver that I'm still keeping my eye on. Would love to see us add him. Um, But like you said, if we can add three or four more big-name guys, it's just icing on the cake at this point. This class is impressive. It's deep and talented top to bottom. Um, Really no wasted space with this class, and that's what sticks out to me the most. And uh, I'm a recruiting nut myself, and I'm just really, really excited about what this class means for the future of Alabama, at least the way Nick Saban is recruiting, it looks like he's planning on hanging around for a few more years.
1: He'll want to, he'll want to coach this bunch, that's for sure. It, it's such a good, well-balanced class. It's pretty good at every position. Again, I think if there's a key uh, to, to, to rounding out maybe one or two more good names at defensive back, because uh, I think that's where Alabama needs a little bit of a talent infusion. But even if you sign like, Tanmisi Adelaide, or however you say his name from Texas, Uh, you know, he's gravy. He's great, a great, great prospect. But Alabama's already got three good defensive linemen in this class. He would be gravy. Amarius Mims, that would be awesome. And it would make Alabama's class so much better because of how good Mims is. But we got tackles. So just adding these big names is just going to be big. But positionally, Maybe defensive back. Uh, they could use one or two more, but again, I, I worry more about the the level of talent that's being infused into the program as opposed to positions. We've got it pretty well covered in this group already. Let's just add some big names and submit that uh, that number one class.
0: Absolutely, and I you know you mentioned uh, Terry and Arnold. There, in my opinion, he's probably the most talented defensive back prospect in this 21 class, and that's really saying something considering you've got guys like uh, Quincy McGinstry and some other guys in that are five-star prospects. Arnold, to me, is just on a different level um, as a defensive back, and that would just be absolutely huge to land him. Keeping on guys like Xavier and Sorry, um as well there. Jimmy, we really appreciate you being on with us today, man. Had a great sure. time talking Alabama football with you, and hopefully we can do this again real soon. Um, I'm sure I'll be hollering at you sometime this weekend after the game just to get some thoughts and talk some Alabama football. Anytime, Ricky. I really appreciate you having me on the show. You do a great job with it. Hey, thanks, man. We do the best we can. We surely love our Alabama Crimson Tide, and we just try to purvey that as we do what we do. So roll tide, Jimmy, and we'll talk to you after a while. Roll tide. See you.